Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Welcome back once again to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. This week you have got for your listening pleasure a big treat another treat we're taking them well just now john we are going to be talking all about our experience down in the lakes at the weekend doing the lake 150 john how are you feeling i am oh man i'm i'm excited to do this sort of debrief and empty my head because there's a whole load of stuff in there but physically i'm knackered <laughs> absolutely shattered first time coming from a any kind of race or run i've ever done i've got swollen feet how's your feet my my, my plates and meat are all right in terms of the the, the under side uh-huh. the, the soles of my feet are fine but my my toenails look like somebody's painted them with can like, 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 like that i've got the toenails like goth Yes, yeah. well, I'm I'm already doing nine. One left the one left the party last night. This is Monday night we're recording this. So Sunday night, come up the road. One left the party already. You finished about what thirty six hours ago. <laughs> Man, you're making me more tired. <laughs> but yeah, I must have I must have had one that was on the cusp anyway. But right, now okay. there's a few more brother and sisters, Tony, was coming to join the party. Most definitely. And then, so plates of meat managed to survive any blisters and everything, which consider we'll speak about this. May I consider that how wet it was is a bit of a miracle. Um, big question. It'll be on all our listeners' minds, I'm sure. Undercarriage report. It's one hundred. Or should I say, it's a hundred percent positive. All good. Big knacks are your friend. That's all I've got to say. Superb, man, because. I've not really touched base with you about such detailed things like that yet, so I'm <laughs> absolutely glad to hear that. Yeah. Nay, nay nay no chaffing. No concern at all throughout the whole day. I never changed my kit all day. What I started running away, I finished running away. I noticed some people at checkpoints were changing their kit, their tops especially, were getting wet. I was wet from the rain, but I was also wet from sweating when I had the waterproof on but I just thought it's fine that's what Wiccan's all about so let's just batter on but um yeah did nice you do the same did, did you change your kit or no the only thing I changed was putting my jacket on and off that was it because it, it was weird it started dry and warm so around the you do a four mile lap of the Dalmain estate mm-hmm. it, um, and then the sun came out at one point, which was the only real glimmer of sun we got all day. And I was like, "Ooh, that sun! I'm, I didn't know really like that." Because it, it was um, hoping it was it, wasn't it? I definitely. Oh. Um, but after that, the sun listened to my wishes, and it disappeared behind a cloud. <laughs> and then another cloud, and then big layers of clouds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now listen, where do we going? Where do we start with this? Should we talk about? Our arrival on the Friday. Oh, our arrival! Honestly, it was like we were getting serenaded down the street. 
<laughs> like, are the flags were out and everything. I'm assuming that's for us. That was for us. <laughs> no, I'm, even before that, we went into this place. We 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 knew it as Cox Lakes, but they've changed its name now to Base Camp, isn't it? Hi. Well, we were we were, we're creatures of habit, us humans, and and we went to this little farm shop and eatery on the way down just west of Penrith last mm. year. Um, so we were like, ah, we'll, we'll give that a repay visit. And it was called Cox Lakes Farm Shop last year. So we had it in our itinerary. We'll wait to get that again. Got there and it's now called Base Camp here. They've now been taken over by some huge lake district conglomerate. Yeah, exactly. But, but quality, absolute but, quality. But part of the reason for going there was the lack of foodstuff on offer in 2021 for us in the yep. late afternoon and the evening. Yep. So we thought, we've mentioned this before, let's take control of the controllables. So we went to fuel up in there. And then we three, did. We were, getting our, we were getting our sort of fueling in early right. after Rini's right. advice to us as well. Exactly, yeah. We take it on board. We're learning all the time. But listen, for the princely sum of £9.95, you can get a full English breakfast. You can get, and that comes with toast, tea or coffee for less than a tenner. That's a good breakfast too, man. It's no sort of 10-item breakfast that you get in Tesco's Cafe or anything. Top dollar stuff, local produce, all the good black pudding, big curly whirly sausage that looks kind of like a shite. Oh, come on. <laughs> In a good way. I was just trying to describe it. Like Cumberland Ring or something like that. That's better. <laughs> and and good coffee and again, what? Service with an absolute smile, which is always what we're after. We never, I, I never caught the lady's name that served us. We met her twice, actually. But um, she was an absolute star. So if you... If you're out there and you ever happen across this episode, thank you very, very much for what you did for us. You were absolutely brilliant. Thank you. John's just angling for a free full English next year. <laughs> Wait a minute, I didn't say next year. No, no, more on that later, maybe. More on that later. <laughs> yeah, but, no, that was great. But aye, set us up well for the weekend ahead. Right, and I think we had, or I certainly had, we high hopes of getting in the main field, but that was never going to happen, was it? No, it was really apparent. What time did we arrive on site? Must have been like quarter to one, one o'clock. Just after that. I would be that time. But that time it was a good, a good hour, hour and a half before we were last year, but we were as far away last year as we were this year, you know, yep. from the yep. hub, so to speak. Um, and I think I felt there was mere folk there, mere com- more people competing, so maybe right. more people had turned up because of circumstances than last year. I'm not sure, but it felt busier, um, and you got that instant buzz, didn't you, about the place? Right. I spoke to a number. We spoke about this last year. It is like Glastonbury, but for running. That's what it's, it's a festival, and it lives up to that that tag of festival. One other improvement, though. I felt on last year was you went and got registered early doors. We got the tents up. JR put up his hotel. You put up the Jekyll. And then we got along to registration, didn't we? That was exciting. Queues had already started forming by the time you got there. Yeah, it was 
bit a busy queue for the registration, but only getting busier. So I'm kind of glad that we got that out of the way when we did, because I did see folk waiting in a hefty queue. I managed to fail kit check. Yes, that, uh, that concerned me a wee bit. I've seen your wee arse twitching. <laughs> Sorry, big arse. <laughs> and then, aye, no, it was because I'd forgotten my spare batteries for my head torch, but they were back in the, the jackal. Um, rather stupid. In fact, I ended up just taking two head torches just to be on the safe side. Um, glad I did. Aye. But yeah, I think too, and one of the things that threw me in the registration was you kept hearing these whistles, and I thought it was people whistling kind of you went for your COVID vaccine, folk are waving and they're shouting yeah. and all that sort of stuff. I thought that was the people who were processing you through whistling. But it's actually they make they make each runner test their whistle. And that's what the noise of the whistles were. But also in that queue, while we were queuing up, it's one of these like airport queues where you zigzag. We were meeting folk all the time. It was brilliant. That's when folks started coming up and saying, How you doing? Love the podcast. It was brilliant, oh, eh? It's amazing. Just We'll speak about this a lot, I think, throughout this episode, but connection with other humans and a realisation of how much this podcast has enriched John and I's well-being. And um, it was dead apparent, right, for the off. It's brilliant. The amount of taps on the shoulder or familiar, friendly smiles that we got. We'll touch on that, Mayor, throughout the episode, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And it really... We dished out some of the badges and stickers that we had, which felt great as well. But we've ended up bringing some air back up the road as well. So, but it was I love it, John, when you give somebody a sticker and it's like you've given them your world. Taking <laughs> <laughs> the sticker, it's brilliant. It is. But it's just that little. It feels to us like a little vote for the podcast. A little, you know, Aye. like. That smile when you give somebody a sticker or a badge is like, it's like, it is, it's brilliant. A nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. We were getting out some of these sort of pin badges as well, and I've seen a couple of folk over the course of the weekend, they were sort of had it on their jacket and they're putting their jacket up to you, going, pointing at their badge. It's, it's, a, it's just, it's a, you're right, it's a warm, fuzzy feeling, but I think that love that you get for folk, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. So it's great. Absolutely. And it, it sort of ties in too with that running community, which was wholeheartedly there in that area of Coniston, was brilliant. We met loads of folk that we guests that have been on the show. We met loads of them as well. And it's that for the first time, you know, we spoke plenty, video calls and stuff like that. But to actually see people in the in the flesh is absolutely uh, a wonderful experience. So um, yeah. good to see the staff, marshals, volunteers, whatever you want to call them. Everything. Absolutely phen- phenomenal. The level of detail and the courtesy they show each and every runner and the support because their families are there too. It's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Just, I'm thinking there was, say, 14, 1500 people running the 50 and then about half that, maybe about 700, maybe 650, I don't know, doing, doing the 100 miles. So you had over 2000 athletes. Yeah, that's us, John. And then another, I don't know, 300, 350 marshals and, and volunteers and, and stuff. And then you had you know, the folk for the event organisers that mark, you know, wave weight and stuff like that. And to an absolute person, the, the staff and 
everybody around the organisation of that race was just, it's like they'd been, you know, they must have had a book telling them how to behave, or maybe it's just that's the type of people that attracts because mm. they were on point from start to finish and there's no stone left unturned. The organisation of that event for the number of people who are participating in it is, I'd say, second to none. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And that, regardless, that that's before the start. The flip side of that is you've got people then finishing at all different times of the day and night. Every single person is treated like a legend when they come in. Yeah. And it is it's phenomenal. I'm getting emotional already thinking about it. And what you but, forget, John, is so that's what they were like on Friday when we arrived. Registration opened at nine o'clock on Friday morning. By the time registration opened, there's a lot of folk already done a lot of work, right? Yeah. In the months, weeks beforehand, but even in the days beforehand, the hours beforehand, you know, getting everything prepped. But on Sunday when we left and the car park was an absolute mud bath and things like that, and there were so many volunteers and marshals and staff out helping everybody get out of the fields, everybody, there's no one of them got a, can, a can of bears with this look in their face. They're no, still fully so, so focused, yeah. I don't know, they must have been on some of the tins of Red Bull. The, well, the, the last guy we seen was the car push guy. Aye. He's, yep. He was he was mock it. For those, it. Of you who, for those of you who didn't uh, understand, that's in the dialect dictionary, it's very dirty. Um, but his job, or one of his roles, was to shove the cars or they were getting stuck in a bit of mud and couldn't go to the field. Even that was organised. Um it was it was really really brilliant. So we also got to the chip shop. Well, we did because the reason we did that was rather. I think there was a, a wee bit of tactical scheming going on in our heads because we made our way up to the top of the street out of this the the, the school about fifteen minutes or so before the hundred mile, sorry, 105 mile race started on the Friday tea time, six o'clock. And we joined the small queue for the chip shop to get chips. Then we watched the 100 start, saw some familiar faces nicking away in that and got our chips. Then we looked at the queue for the chippy. I think Debbie said that she DNF'd it. It's the first thing Debbie's ever DNF'd. Aye, Debbie DNF the Chippy Q, whereas I think you'd said, we, well, we podiumed Debbie. Aye, because we controlled the controllables. Exactly, exactly that. And I've got to say, I was going to say kudos, but as negative kudos to the guy who did the dodging the queue in front of us, like a sprint finish for Usain Bolt to get in front of us at the chip shop when there was only about four folk in the queue. That was bizarre behaviour. You, sir, are a bampot, and that's not yeah. a nice thing. So, no, you're a bammer. Anyway, you'll probably hope he does listen in. Right. I hope he does. He has a good look at himself in the mirror. <laughs> that was probably my only negative for the whole weekend, <laughs> getting shunned at the chippy in the queue. Right. Oh. So, let's take yep. a list. Actually, I've got to say this before wow. we finish with the Friday night. I went to Debbie's talk in the marquee on the Friday night, and her parting shot. And the guy says, what tips would you give to people running the tomorrow morning day? Because by this time, hundreds of ways, so it's a 50. So he's giving all the usual stuff about, listen, just stay focused, run your own race, stay hydrated, mind and 
get nutrition into you. And then she finished off with, just beat John. I was like, I need bother, eh? <laughs> so, um, but that was this. It was David did a brilliant talk, absolute brilliant talk, really inspirational stuff. And it, it just it got the vibe going. And then I come back, thought, go to my bed, went to my bed, and then I didn't sleep very well. How did you sleep on the Friday night? Um, well, you can have the jackal, the tent, is, is kind of like a VIP area, isn't it? In oh, comparison yeah. to, to the, what is, what's it, the, the Oak Six, which is where you and John were in, although you've got a separate wing each, and it's quite an impressive looking structure. <laughs> I'm just, the the biggest thing that the, the Oak Six has got, or the Jackal three, is that you can kind of stand up in the Oak Six. Right? Aye. But the Jackal is, and we'll, we'll speak a bit more of that later, but I was in my wee luxurious pad inflatable bead Aye. i looked in actually i looked into where john other john was sleeping john rob and i was like i kind of felt sorry for him I said, that you're a lot i've got <laughs> mine's kitted out like trying to make it kind of homely and it was like a man cave comfy i know <laughs> so i had stuff downloaded onto my ipad and i was just watching some some movies that I downloaded off Netflix, that kind of movies, ah. and, <laughs> um, and that was fine. And it, it, it seemed to knock my eyes over to sleep eventually. Um, I had the earplugs on and the eye mask with the wee silky bit facing my skin, so it's just nice. And I was able, I, I think I dropped off eventually, maybe about half twelve, one o'clock, um, and I woke up, no, the best of sleeps, maybe about half five. So we got four and a half hours, which is four and a half hours that I got more than I got a Ford Boston, which was Aye. a bonus. And you know what, it's not, a four and a half hours isn't a lot, but it's enough to give you a bit of rest. I I slept rubbish. I woke up about half twelve. I thought, I thought I'd broke my hip, but I had a packet of polos in my shorts. That's what I was. <laughs> Pain doing my left hand side. And then there was a wee, I had uh, I wear these, have these gel earplugs. You didn't, you didn't hear very much. Sort of freaks you out a wee bit. I can hear your own breathing. And, uh, but then I started hearing this tippy-tappy. What's that? I took it out, man. It was the rain starting. And it just never stopped, did it? That was it. The rain was sprinkling. That's what woke me a few times during my slumber as well. Um, it always sounds worse when you're in a tent than it actually is as well. It sounds like it's a monsoon when it's it's maybe not quite as bad as that. But it, it started the rain then and it didn't much abate the whole rest of the weekend for us. No, I think walking walking to the buses at the start, there was a bit of drizzle, but I'd, it was a wee, a wee gap in what, was, what had been quite heavy rain. Actually, thinking about it, it's probably the first race I've started in the rain. Rain's, and other races I've done, the, the rain has come on. Mm-hmm. It's, probably the, it's probably the first one um, but then, what's that saying? If what we're saying, it is for it is. I heard that a lot over the weekend. It's what it is. You can't do anything about it, so just suck it up. But you're sitting inside, you're going, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> weekend in July. And then you'd say that to somebody, and they'd go, it is the Lake District. <laughs> kind of that voice. Aye, we heard Aye. that a lot of the time. And then you'd go, of course. 
as if he always knew the meteorological action in the Lake District was rain permanently. And how many folks said to us, they hear the Scottish accent, oh, well, you'll be used to this. We get this, we get this one up here. We live in the east coast of Scotland, and it's like must be one of the driest places in the UK. Aye, so we heard that a few times but as well. There's an assumption you live up in Scotland, you'll be used to this. You'll be used to this terrain. You live up in Scotland. Well, well let me tell you this: <laughs> we can have a build paths in Scotland. <laughs> right, let's move on to that. We'll move on. We'll move on to that. Aye. The the the, the tr- coach transfer, as you'd expect, was pretty faultless from Coniston to Delmain, wasn't it? You got in the coaches and there was just a convoy, just batter through. And Again, we, we and it, it takes a, a, an hour, maybe even a wee bit over an hour to cover, I don't know, about 25 miles. Is, just because of the roads, isn't it? It's just the roads and they, like, we can only, Ken, it is what it is, John. <laughs> so, but that was fine. That was fine. We arrived about, I think about quarter to 11 we arrived at yeah. Delmain. Yeah, and half nine to quarter to eleven. You're right. And they're going to let people for the future into a. This is a big, big secret. When you when you park at Dillman, now I'm going to tell them, Steve. Oh, John. <laughs> when you I park up at Dillman, hold on. Wait a minute. What you're away to divulge is like, if we had a Patreon or something like that, then maybe yeah, I'd be nodding saying you should tell. Fuck, just go and tell them. <laughs> I'll just do it. So when the coaches park up, there's a wee sort of it's a house or a courtyard. At the back of that courtyard is a wee coffee shop. We breezed in there. We could have sat anywhere we liked. Got a coffee, a cup of tea. I got a roll with ham and cheese. It was beautiful. And then we just lounged a bit. Everybody was outside, huddling about in the rain under trees. We lounged a bit. There was other people in the cafe. Okay, just maybe yes. some other folk who are got the knowledge as well. When John whipped doing his undercrackers and started smearing on Vaseline, I thought he's maybe taking it a wee bit too far. <laughs> he's like doing with those big knacks of his that he's been putting all our social media, the Columbias. <laughs> <laughs> I did get a wee bit maybe familiar with myself. No, that's not that's not what I meant to say. But anyway, but anyway, that there was coffee shop. There was and bairns there. <laughs> no, it is. It's a cracking wee hidden gem. Definitely, definitely. So we did that. We went to the start. There was definitely more people at the start than we'd experienced the previous year. Yeah. Yourself and Jr. wanted to nick up to the front, thinking about how to in a thing, wasn't it? About the queue. At the first checkpoint previously, I think you were trying yeah. to get a wee bit ahead of the game with that. Whereas I hung about the back because I had my own sort of game plan. But the start went off reasonably well. I went through the archway. I started at half 11. I went through the archway at five or 10 minutes to 12. That's how long it took. You know, yep. and I was a bit, I was, I must have been in the last 50 people that went through the archway, I think. Uh, they were kind of letting. Uh, to me, it seemed to be in around about groups of 200 people or so away mm. at a time. And John and I, John Rob and I went away in wave three. And there was there was a minute between the waves. And I think when I was thinking about it, it was also just to control that flow of people into the first checkpoint by trying to aggregate the, the numbers up. So it wasn't a case of, I'm sure people who were gunning for 
the sharp end of the race went down into wave one um, to, to get away and be running at the pace of other people. But other than that, it wasn't a case of if you wanted to run fast, you had to be in a higher wave. It was more just a way to segregate the numbers up a wee bit. And again, it was for the right reasons and it was done well. Yeah, yeah. And I think talking about that how to, how to and how town, last year there was a queue backed up well up the path. There was like a 30 minute wait for some folk to get in there. This year I arrived there right in, walked over the bit that lets you check in. That was fine. And then it was busy in there, but I was in and out. I topped up, I was using active route, topped up my active route, a couple of glasses of flat coke, learned a lesson for last year. I didn't fancy that still biscuits, flapjack, didn't fancy any of that last year, never had it this year. I made sure I ate it to get some energy in. Again, it's all the stuff for listening to guests of it on the podcast. I did think back to Jack Mack and the West Island Way and how she was eating. And, and it was just a case of, right, I know I've got to eat stuff to be fueled here. Um, and that was uh, what I did. But I was in and out of there within in less than 10 minutes, which was brilliant. So, 10 see, minutes? Because it was busy. And and as well, I was where my faff came from. I was filling my bottles in my let say my knapsack in my race vest. I was Aye. filling my bottles in there, and because it was so busy, I couldn't get somebody to help me patiently. So I was okay. like, "Couldn't give me that jug myself, date myself." So right. So cool. yeah. So I I caused the faff. I caused right. the faff. Myself. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I was in and out of that checkpoint. Efficiently. And then you hit Fusedale. Oh, you hit Fusedale. And by this time, John, memories were starting to come back to me for last mm. year. I had a, a a bad time up Fusedale last year um, in the heat. But this year, I actually quite enjoyed it. Aye. Going up Fusedale because I managed my effort and I hooked up with the legend herself, Lorna McMillan who I also met around about the same point last year in not so good circumstances for me. This year, brilliant, spent a couple of miles walking up Fusedale. I say walking because we were walking efficiently rather than trying to, yeah. trying to storm it. And that was great, catching up with Lorna and hearing her delightful chat. She's always got a good crack, Lorna. Brilliant. She's brilliant. She's a bubbly and person. And... Can I just say, she finished it in like, Ten and a half hours or something like that, off the back of a pretty ropey year of training, and my hat's off there. And it's phenomenal, phenomenal running. Well done, Lorna. Brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, Fusedale is what I'd say about two and a half miles long, and it's got like sixteen, seventeen hundred foot of climb. It's the biggest climb of the day, isn't it? And yeah. a winner, and a winner. Yeah. It's the biggest climb of the day. So. Certainly the longest. It's maybe not the steepest because I think there's steeper bits, but it just. Uh, there's a few false summits and but one thing I made sure I did was look behind me and look down Fusedale to get a view back the way once you were more than halfway up it spectacular I definitely and you'd see that like it's like the ants isn't it come up the hill behind you yep. it's just mental yep. absolutely mental do you, you see the vastness of it Lake District's a phenomenal place to be um, it's a beautiful bit of the world I love yeah. it but aye, by now it was pretty steady rain had come on by now. And mm. as you were going up higher, 
it became apparent that when you were at any kind of altitude at all, it was going to be quite a claggy, that word it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that sort of misty, low cloud, wet, proper wet, wet rain. And yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful running conditions. Well, let's talk about that. You prefer that or you prefer the heat? I know the heat wasn't a, the heat wasn't mm-hmm. a good thing last year, but what's oh. your preference? I'd have to say my preference is what we experienced at the weekend over too warm. Um, because on Saturday, it was just a case of, do I need my jacket on or am I better off without my jacket? Because although the jacket wasn't protecting you really for the wet, because you know, you're, it was a warm, it wasn't a cold day. Um, so you're warm, sweating and and when you're, with your jacket going on and off, you're getting wet and then the, your jacket's going back on. So that's just sort of a wee bit of race, extra race management required. Um, but it was that. It was like, I think I put my jacket on at the second checkpoint, which is 20 miles in, because I'm like that. I got a wee bit of chilly on top after Fusedale. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you were up there and it's the wind had picked up a wee bit. Yeah. Um, and I felt the difference. So I thought, I, in my head, I says, right, I'm feeling a wee bit chilly and again I'm going up another big climb so I'm going to put my jacket back on and I've taken a wee bit of time at the Mardale head checkpoint at 20 miles to get my jacket out put it back on over my pack and, and stuff so I was glad I did because on that climb out of Mardale head which is steeper but shorter than the previous climb it the wind did really pick up and it was mm. I would have been chilly, but I was thankful my jacket because it was keeping my heat in. Yep. Yeah. But aye, it was it was obvious that the day was going to pan out as a, a dreich one by now. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to start speaking about Mardale Head in a wee minute, but I need to we need to mention about going along that Hoswater to get to Mardale Head. Yes. Um, Four miles we, that section. Yeah. We, we we spoke about it a bit last week when we were I think you likened it to the lock side on the West Island Way. It's just I, I mean it's different in terms of it's different terrain and different challenge underfoot, but in terms of how it fits into the race and and how it breaks up your rhythm because you can't get a rhythm on it. Um, no. Well, I'm sure certainly certainly on Saturday you couldn't man unless you're no. right at the very front. Yeah, exactly. Because um, you're either in a train of people because it's single track. The ferns are at their sort of, as James Stewart's called, some velociraptor height, where there could mm-hmm. be, you know, little dinosaurs hidden in them that you can't see over the top of them. They're so high. Um, and because of that, they encroach onto the trail and you can't then visibly get an, a sighter all the time on the trail. And mm-hmm. there's obstacles on the trail, rocks and, you know, lie the land so it becomes that all right i'll start running this section and then like 15 steps later you're walking again because you're thinking i could slip and fall here i'd already fallen by this point by the way i came i fell coming down the big descent from off a, off a fusedale high cop yeah Aye. high cop so yeah because it was the, the wet had made things a bit boggy by now um, and the grass 
if, if you've ever stood on wet grass that's not been mowed down the way Ken but mm. it just skates so I, 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 I skated and it was a good fall the way because it maybe looked quite good but it was one of those dead soft landing ones um, and also folk behind me checking in on me it was one of them right. I sprung up like I was some kind of stunt man going kind of <laughs> meant it mate did you do a full tumble or was it on your I did. no I, I, oh no I fell on my arse and then slid a fair bit Right. Put an extra couple of rolls in just for <laughs> cinematic effect. <laughs> <laughs> but I was fine, I, I was bark it. Second use of that word in this episode. <laughs> I was bark it, so I looked like I'd had a good time. But um I was I, I was unscathed. But it sharpened I, up my senses. Yes, very good. I the bit when I went along that horse water bit, I was running dinner right. But a, a big shout out there actually to the I'm going to call them the Oggy 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 crew. There was a group of folk, God knows how they got there, just at this bit, cheering folk on, and thought they were going through and getting the bit of atmosphere going. So big, uh-huh. big thank you to them. Um, they were relentless. That was at the sort of start of that, as you sort of come down and level off. But I felt I was going great along that first, let's call it a third of that bit, and then I got caught up in that train, and I got, I got, I was getting quite frustrated with it. It's not like me to get frustrated because I can't go faster. It's not like <laughs> me at all. But then it brought me into Mardale Head as well when we got there. And I've got to say, actually, I really enjoyed Mardale Head checkpoint this year. I never, unless it's changed, there seem to be a lot more grub choices. And one thing we, we spoke about was the cola was a better. It was well. It was more palatable. I think was the word that we used, wasn't it? The coat they'd obviously listened to us last year when we were bemoaning the really let's just call it cheap shite coke. (laughs) Right, that they were they were using it. They must have gotten a deal for Booker or something. I don't know. At the at the point, I'm sure the transaction was done. It felt as coke. It's got the right amount of sugar in it. It's but it was it was bowfin, right? This year, it's bars cola. Now they've obviously sent it. The message over to God's country, up to Cumbernauld, we had a big lorry and got a good consignment of Bar's Cola, which is good coke. I was Bar's Cola is good, so that that's maybe perched up right away. Oh, that, well, just maybe even before it's touched my lips, mm-hmm. the fact that it was Bar's, and they then had it. and they also had First thing I teams. For. They had teams set up. Do you want it fizzy or do you want it flat? I'm thinking this is brilliant, man. So. Right away, I'm saying I'm a, I'm wanting flat stuff. Give me that, and um, and then that I'm going to go on and speak about your favourite checkpoint food, but I'm going to tell you mine first. We got into into Mardale Head. They had wee cubes of cheese cut up. I never seen it. If it was there last year, I missed it. And it was right next to peanut butter pieces sandwiches for fuck it. Then they call it pieces peanut butter sandwiches. So as I would do opened up the piece, rattled on about half a dozen cubes of cheese, peanut butter and cheese piece. Absolutely brilliant. Happy days. Women says to me, you want some soup? I said, no, I'm fine. With I'll have three of these and I'll be brand new. So it was great, man. And I probably spent, I was maybe, I'll speak a bit about this later on. Um, I was speaking to somebody in there. I was probably about 10, 15 minutes in there. Because um, I knew what was coming, and that's a tough hill next. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, but on that, 
let's just be maybe jumping a bit a wee bit. But what was yeah. your favourite uh, food at a checkpoint? I'm going to. I've given this one some thought. I'm going to go for Kent Mears movie. All right, man. Right, was my my favourite thing at a checkpoint. But there was a few candidate items in there, and one that I can't talk about. But yeah, Kent Mears movie, and partly was because I almost felt like I got a personal servant when I arrived in Kent Mears. Now, I got that a lot of places, but this lad was going above and beyond. He couldn't have done more for me that, than I asked. And plus, he was also an ultra runner himself because he kent exactly what I'd want and what I'd need today. And he also went and fetched me a smoothie, which was a big helping wit compared to what i seen other folks get. And it was just marvellous at that moment. Now, John Kent Mere was where a DNF last year. It was a big weirdly mental obstacle for me to get by and mm-hmm. I'd been thinking about it a lot if I can get past Kentmere then the day's been better than last year but to be honest I was always getting past Kentmere right but it was just I don't know so there's maybe a bit of an association with that smoothie Trump last year's miserable day at that point but the smoothie did hit the spot other kind of items wee bits of cut up lemon meringue cake no, I'm not a lemon meringue cake fan. Lemon drizzle cake type thing, no, with the icing on top. Okay, with, and it's almost like a kind of three layers with a wee bit of cream in between. And it was just cut up in a nice bite size. Bits. And then watermelon and melon. Yep. And I noticed as well on the watermelon and melon, which I can eat, it gives me the bulk. I'm not a fan of that stuff at all. But and the bananas, they were all cut up to the right sizes for folk yep. to eat. Now, that's a job. That's a task to deal with that. And know? I was watching them, and they were doing it ongoing. A, t- a team of two people were just on fruit chopping. And I, and that's what I'm saying. The, the checkpoints food this year seemed to have upstaged last year by some margin. Aye. I had a couple of sangers at one point, and there was even a no bad amount of margarine on them. I'm saying margarine because right. price of Lurk Park these days, I wasn't expecting anybody to reach those heights. But you know, the fillings on the sandwiches, the, even I had a bit of peanut butter as well. I only had one bite of it because I ate it, then it didn't quite. I thought, nah, that's that's not what I want. But I had a whack of peanut butter on it, generously deep filled, I think, is yes. the one that they use. Now, you mentioned about um, margarine. T- they must have listened to your review. I think, well, last I think year. they have. Somebody has obviously sat in the race committee meetings, right, and slyly listened to Young Hearts Run Free review of last year's and then went, oh, guys, I feel that we need to do this. Listen to our ideas, propose them, and folk have went, that's a really good idea, John. Thanks for bringing that up. And they've, well, they've, they've listened to us and, and, and well, they certainly have. Yeah, right. When I was getting my peanut butter and cheese piece at Mardale Head, there was a lady sitting behind the counter. Mm-hmm. And honestly, she had this mountain of bread in front of her. Brown bread, white bread. It was all on selling the wrappers and that. But it must be quite a mental thing to no think, oh, fuck this, look at all that, man. Okay, I, I mean, to, to sit and do that all day, that was her job, you know? But 
doing it with a smile and I made sure I said thank you to everybody because that's yeah. what you should do. Yeah, so, um, so, but again, publicly, thank you to every single volunteer at, at every single checkpoint. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. It was brilliant. One wee other thing I want to say about food, because in Ambleside, and I said we're going to jump about a bit. Yeah. I said, "What you put your pieces?" And he's like, "Right, we've got a, that's cheese and that's cheese and pickle." I said, "Oh, fancy a bit of cheese and pickle, extra mature cheddar, Stevie boy." And that really. What I'm on about. Aye. Many your honestly, it was fantastic. <laughs> you can tell by the enthusiasm in John's voice, and I hope the listeners are all the sorry the organisers are also listening to it this year to to hear this praise that they're getting heaped aye. upon them because aye they they upped their game. I think they deserved a medal more than us. Probably did, and they should. And mm-hmm. they should. But talking about Ambleside, which was where we had a a few familiar faces that we can were working at Ambleside. It was such a 35 miles in to a 50 miler in the hosing doing rain it was coming into Ambleside I didn't make Ambleside last year so mm. every step for Kentmere beyond was new I was like John you might have warned me how shite underfoot it still was because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get any better but anyway coming into Ambleside you and John spoke about how special that was last year and I was kind of bit envious um but it was it was like ambleside for scottish listeners is maybe like a a big pit walkway or a big calendar do you know it's a, yeah. it's a tourist town but it's it's four times the size um and there's a mixture of tourists there folk out supporting the race race they've got family or whatever doing the race friends um, and it all combines into a feeling that is most what I could say would be like going into UTMB when you come into the the bigger settlements around it. It's a right buzz, a right energy lift. And then you came at the checkpoint and here's like Noni and Ross Beveridge and a few other Kent faces and it was just a, a massive lift. Mm-hmm. You did hate to go up the stairs to get into the good stuff at the checkpoint. How did you handle that at Ambleside going up the stairs? Ken and there was food up there. Well, by the time I got there, I had to put my heat talk to go up the stairs because it was quite dark, right? But I try to think what time you would have got in Ambleside at. Oh, I, it must have been hitting 11, 11 o'clock ish, I think. Match, sort of match of the time. It was my match of the day because my first thought was right to the lobby, Stevie Pye. <laughs> and, <laughs> but you know what? There's a guy who was dressed, I wasn't hallucinating because he was definitely, he had a big white face. Like painted white face, Aye. and he—he he was the first guy I seen. I says, "Where's the toilet?" He says, "There's a public toilet there. You hate to put your head torch on, or there's a luxurious toilet up the stair." I says, "Well, I'll be going up the stair then." So I went upstairs, but that's also where the food was, and they had this. It was almost like spill it up into sort of three bits. They had a bit where there was folk. Some folk were lying in like camp beds. Some of the hundred runners were having, the, well, maybe some fifty runners too, kind of relied in. Yeah. And there, there the bit when I was there, there was a guy going about like he was in that TV show Mash, he had the red T-shirt on with Doctor on it. He was <laughs> um, tending to people, and then there was this table, and all around it was just all these knackered folk, and they were just sitting refueling. But it was brilliant. This the team at Ambleside. 
couldn't do enough to be saying he wasn't anything else. Can I help you there? Are you feeling all right? And then there was also the wee bit, right, you've been here about 20 minutes. Get your arse out of here. You know, there was also that, but all done in a very, very loving, helpful way. A lot of humour going on, you know. What, what was great to see as well, a lot of runners helping each other out, saying, oh, I can't find this or that. Well, I've got some of that. And folk helping each other out. So that was there too. I must admit, I was feeling a wee bit kind of low in there, but I sort of just took my time and recovered well and had my strong sugary tea, which was my my thing that was helping me out there. So, but Ambleside was was brilliant. I did, and I seen Ross as well. I asked Ross, I says, "Where's Stevie Boy?" He says, "Stevie Boy's away through." And I must admit, when I was approaching Kent near, I was thinking, just didn't let him be here. Didn't <laughs> let Stephen be sitting here, man. But then. I, I also had my own downfall. I was telling everybody on the Friday night, wait till you take Kent here, man. A grub in there, in the atmosphere. Just mm. fucking brilliant. Oh, there was bouncing. When I arrived, I was going through the lowest point I had all day. And I'm going to just take a few minutes to speak about this. Yeah. Um, I wasn't feeling great when I arrived at Kent here. And then I walked up the stairs and I walked through the door and this heat just hit me, man. And instantly I started feeling, I'm going to spew my ringer here. Right, so I'm not wanting nothing to eat. I'm not wanting my smoothies. I'm not wanting the pasta. I don't want nothing. But then there's a wee switch in your head that goes, you've got to eat something, right? So it's almost like people sensed it and just left me alone a wee bit. They could just tell. And so... What had happened was I'd felt my bottles coming into Kentmere and I thought, come on, I've got loads here. I'm not going to hate to top them up. I'm going to be fine for going on to Ambleside. What should have happened is my brain should have went, you're not drinking enough liquid. But I didn't. I just carried on and got through. It wasn't until after I was walking, I'd left, I had some pasta. I left Kentmere. I was walking up that next hill. Uh-huh. Um, Alassie, Sarah, said to me, you feeling all right? I must have looked like shit. You feeling all right? I was like, I'm still feeling a bit sick, actually. She said, you've been drinking enough. And that's when it all clicked in, man. So it took me probably probably at least two Ambleside to actually gather myself and feel a bit better. The Ambleside checkpoint helped enormously as well. But... It was a low point that I hadn't thought about. And I, I'm putting it down to because it was it was wet. I felt cool temperature wise. Yeah. But I forgot to hydrate myself. So lesson good, learned. Well, it's a good lesson learned for you and for you know folks listening who are maybe finding themselves in similar predicaments. Just Aye. and and I think you know, coming out of Kent here, it is a fair old climb out of there, as that's the mm-hmm. theme in the checkpoints that at the lakes, you know, you're in a checkpoint, you're refueling because you're going to go into the next big climb. Um, and when I say big climb, it's all relevant to some people. There may be no big climbs, to other people, they're, they're Everests. But um, I think what I did was try to use that climb to get a bit of fuel in me, because I wasn't, I wasn't going for it on the climbs. I was trying to manage my effort, and I would probably look at some of my 
splits on, on Strava going, what the hell was I doing there? But it's exactly what was going through my head was I'm just keeping things low and taking on fuel to spur, spur me towards the, the finish line. And I did carry a chocolate milkshake in my bag, extra weight, and I carried 500 mil soft flask through a cherry Coke as well. Mm-hmm. So 750 miles of extra fluid I had in my um, my pack for knowing that I wanted to have something that I could definitely get a lift for if I needed it at certain times and no relying on tucka tucka cola or <laughs> no. And so I out of Kentmere I tanked that chocolate milkshake, but right. it taken it taken a good mile for it to kick in. Mm-hmm. And I was I was I was pretty gubbed at the top of the climb coming out of Kentmere but when I did get the top you knew I sort of downhill into Trout Beck and the, the, the chocolate milk shake I felt was kicking in by the time I got to Ambleside I was feeling a lot better but I was joined by um, listener of the show Ian Burdett I've maybe said his surname wrong at that point and I spent three miles or so running with Ian into Ambleside and Ian's friends with Ross Beveridge who was working at Ambleside and we had a great chin wag and I think that just changed my where my mind was as well and I think hopefully for Ian it was similar for him because he was saying oh, he was struggling a wee bit um, um, but I think we kind of u- used the um, spirit of each other to, yeah, to kind of change where our headspace was but that low John that you had in Kentmere did you get through that checkpoint pretty quick and then? Yeah, definitely. Out. I just wanted, I wanted to do it again me as quick as I could, man. I just, right. I was, yeah. So I filled up, had pasta, waited till I knew I was going to be able to have it in my stomach. Well, actually, that's not true. Because for the next hour, I felt like I was going to drop everything, but I never actually. Yeah. Um, but I was in and out of there pretty quick. And then, but obviously my pace really slowed. If it can go slower, it did, because I was really struggling. I noticed that a couple of times I was actually, I never lost my balance, but I wasn't walking as forcefully or as with purpose as I had been before. And and I just felt shit, man. It just felt really shit. But again, taking inspiration and from the people that we've spoken to on the podcast, guests of Adon, you pull on all that stuff. I had John Conley in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to replaying some of the stuff that he's done. I had Debbie in my head, some of the things that that Debbie and all the wee golden nuggets that people give us mm-hmm. um, through some of the chats that we've had. And somehow, I don't know, you just, I wouldn't say tough it out, but it was a case of, right, I wanted to get out of Kentmere thinking, I've got to keep going. And then I knew when I get to Ambleside, I'm thinking, right, I've Did- got to. Just over a half to go. So Just to contextualise this a wee bit for people listening, at Kentmere, it's pitch dark, or is it getting dark for you? Mm, it's, it's dusk. It's, get, right. it's dusk. It's getting dark. Okay. Are you but thinking would, head torch at that point? I knew I was going to have to put a head torch on. I put a head torch on just as I came down into Trout Beck. Okay. So that that's where my head torch came out. And, uh, but, I think the dark changes the mood as well in your head but. Yeah, but I, th- I was in my head, I was thinking, it's getting dark. That could be because of the weather. It's really dark because of the weather. Yep. But it seemed to be getting dark earlier than I remembered than last year. But it wasn't. It was just that I was taking longer to get where I wanted to be. 
Aye. Um, that was causing that. But I was happy getting into Ambleside. My spirit lifted. My I felt a whole lot better about myself yeah. when I came into Ambleside and also when I left Ambleside. Um, I felt much better too. There was a few people as well that made made my day. One of the one of the people, you know, one of the people is a, a lassie, a lassie, a lady. We met at registration. Joe Wallace. We met her and she was doing the hundred. She was doing the hundred. Aye, and she seemed. I hope she doesn't make me saying if she listens in. Well, she will because she did a buff buff on. Um, so she obviously she, she does listen in, and um, she seemed a wee bit nervous at, at registration about. What was ahead of her? Aye, yeah, yeah, we, we, we all were. But I seen Joe first at Howtown. Now, so she's, what, 60-odd miles in by that time. Yeah. The time, the time she gets there. I said, how are you feeling? Aye, aye. She's just sort of, it was like a bit of a false smile, if you like. I then saw her at Mardale Head, and at Mardale Head, she had her socks off, getting her feet dealt with by the medic there. I went and got her a wee cup of flat coke. She was eating some pieces. And I, I must admit, in my head, I'm thinking, hmm, a wee bit dodgy here. Then I saw later on, between Kentmere and Ambleside, and it had flipped for her. She was absolutely flying. So she was much chirpier. So well done to Jo. Jo got it done. Um, and she's one of the people I remember from the day. It was absolutely brilliant. She, I took inspiration for what, from how she had turned things around. Mm-hmm. You know, so a phenomenal achievement and a big thank you to Joe. And she still had her the buff buff on as well. So brilliant. A buff buff all the way. And was she reminded about the special magical powers of said? <laughs> I did. I did see her. You know, when they're supposed to do, they get charged up with superpowers. Her retort was, "Well, it took a wee while to kick in." <laughs> but that was uh, that was. It could really be a slow burner depending on how you handle it. Sometimes it kicks in just at the right time. I think that's yeah, what happened yeah. for Joe. And well done, Joe. Joe finished at um, six minutes to seven on Sunday morning. Yeah. Fantastic. Six minutes to six. Oh, six minutes to six. six. six Sorry. Minutes to I six threw minutes. hour before six minutes to seven. Yeah. Apologies, Joe. Six minutes to six. Even more impressive. Brilliant. And the, the, other, the other person that by simply being there and listening to me was a guy, Jake Lane, who... Run, I think what the team is, but he runs for the team that manages the checkpoint at Mardale Head, or Sparta, as it is. I spent mm-hmm. a wee bit of time with Jake. He was very gracious with me. He was saying a bit bothered with his feet. He, he had dislocated his knee a wee while, a few weeks or maybe months ago before the event. So he pretty much started running it, but ended up walking most of it. But his feet were giving him quite a lot of bother. So we got to chapel style, and Jake said he was going to sit there longer. And that... So a big thank you to Jake. I said that I give him a shout out, and that's what I've done. He really, really was vital in my positive mindset that I left him um, in a good place. But that brings us to Chapel Style. Chapel Style, 40 miles in. Now, I rallied between Ambleside and Chapel Style because that section of the route is the most pleasant in terms of underfoot conditions and... Mm -hmm elevation oblique up and down sorry not just ascent descent that's what i'm trying to say um and it, it's quite kind and i, I kind of had a, a no bad whatever it is five and a half six miles between ambleside and chapel style um but chapel style onwards is, is a wee bit of a different story what did you hear at chapel style did you hear the stew 
No, man, I didn't have any. I didn't have anything like that the whole day. I didn't have any soup, stew, pasta. Only because I've never, I never have that. I never have that during a race, and so I avoided that. Um, I had more like can be chunks of cake and and melon, and um, I tried to get wowed into some of my trail mix that I had carefully made up, um, consisting of peanut M and M's, chocolate coated pretzels, um, raisins. Salted cashew nuts and chocolate little chocolate buttons. That was my trail mix in there. I maybe ate a ten for it. <laughs> the <laughs> last that. episode we spoke with Rini McGregor about sixty to ninety grams. It's hard, doesn't it, man? It's fucking hard. It's, it, I mean, I was really on top of it to start off with. Up until up until like Kent Mere, even up to Ambleside, I was I was no bad. But after that, when you stop, when you you start, I don't really fancy it. One thing that I did do pretty religiously was take my salt tabs and I took two of the salt six chewable tabs every 40 minutes or so. And I had, I think I had 24 of the tabs out with mm-hmm. me, you know, so I was thinking that'll do me 12 hours, but I've only had 14 of them. So at some point I, I stopped fancying taking them to. <laughs> Uh, oh man, I think it all happened around about Chapel Style, to be honest. Because yeah, when I went into Chapel Style, and um, big shout out to Bethany, who was mm-hmm. manning the aid station there and cutting up fruit like an absolute rock star, um, it was a case of he torches on and out into what felt like the unknown for me because I hadn't got to yeah. this stage last year, so I'd never had my foot in the route. And by God. Does the does terrain start taking a downward spiral compared to what Ambleside to Chapel style is? In the dark, in the pissing rain, in the just with forty miles, you know, already in you. Right. Well, flicking forward to the Sunday morning, you'd said to me, "This is once it's all done." You'd mm-hmm. said to me, "You could have fucking tell me about what that was like," but. In my defence, it wasn't like that last year. It was dry. Well, Do you know oh, what I wait. mean? I think that made that made a big difference, especially late, later on in the race. So I don't know if the people who were at the very sharp end of the race would have got full value for money, really, running that fast. <laughs> because no. by the time, you know, we, middle of the Packers, got to the, the section of the race, one, it was dark. Two, it was flooded, I'd say. Aye, aye. Going up, is it the Langdale or something? Langdale bit. Uh, oh, that's that's idea, yeah, and it was so there was basically a stream coming down what once was a path, um, and I'm pretty sure that's pretty normal. But um, it made for some challenging underfoot conditions, and then it got boggy in stages as well. And my sh- my swanks weren't quite grippy enough. If I could have went back and wore something a wee bit more aggressive. Um, if some if some mates of mine had told me how rough it was at that point, I would have maybe worn a different shoe. So I'm probably blaming my mates as much as anything for for how slow I was in this section. I'm not blaming the fact that I stopped taking food and I was just thinking to myself, <laughs> I merch, merch to the finish line, Stephen. March to the finish line. A finish. <laughs> yeah. well, but I, talk to me I, about your experience at this bit. Well, you're saying it was like a river going down there. It would be like a river on a normal day. 
throw a few hundred runners into the mix, mm-hmm. and it's just churned up mud. It was it was unbelievable. I'd never yeah. experienced anything like it. It was like being at the ties when you were a bairn. And for folk, I'm maybe it's about going to pick potatoes. If it was raining, and getting into sort of mud and skating about. Uh, in, the, in the autumn. No, in Aye. The, in yeah. the summer. But yeah, it was pretty brutal. And also, even on a dry day, it's pretty tricky terrain. There's a lot of jaggy rocks and mm-hmm. the paths are not, well, I'm not, no, they're not the best for even for, for walking on when it's light and it's a nice dry day. And to do that in the pouring rain, oh, that mud, oh man. Yeah, one of the words you used to me in Sunday morning was traumatic, you know? And no, I felt traumatized at that felt, point. Yeah. And it was mainly about that last 10 miles. Um, yeah. So just yeah. after the heat of battle, you're, you're most sort of giving it the, mm-hmm. I'm never fucking doing no shit like that ever again in my life. I'm chucking it. I am all a park run. <laughs> well, one, one of the positives I'm taking for that is these shoes that I've had for many, many years, they are still resident in Coniston somewhere, right? They got put, they they got got put hurled into the skip. They got hurled. I think so, I, did, I did the act. I felt <laughs> like, because I did it away from your eyes so that you couldn't sort of see right. what was happening. But I did, I, I gave them a good twirl in the bag <laughs> and hoid them into the skip in a ceremony that would have befitted the, yeah. the efforts that those shoes had put in for you over the years, John. West Highland right. Wayfinishers, those shoes were. Definitely. You should have actually buried the bastards. <laughs> you know what, man? They've had their time, and I've had my time with them. So they're just material. They were good for nothing. And they were good for nothing. Yeah, they're they're gone. They're a goner. Yeah. So I'm in the market for a new pair of trail running swanks. Yeah. So. Well, then he gets Scott Canablu Ultra RCs if you're planning on ever doing the late one fifty again, because there's not quite enough grip on them, especially for right. the wet years. Okay. Fine for the dry years. Right, right. let's let's move on forward to mm-hmm. Tiberthwaite at the base at the base the base at the base of Jacob's Ladder. Oh, this is like a site, an open top bus tour of the the checkpoints of the Lake One Fifty, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Quite good. It's like therapy, but yeah. So Tiberthwaite, Tiberthwaite, Tiberthwaite. Well, whatever we say, Jodie Laird will keep us right next week. So we're fine on that one, right? She'll, she'll be all right, right? So that one at the bottom of Jacob's Ladder, which is where you flash your couple of quid in the collection for something that's that's really quite important. Um, and I was needing to really find something to rally me. Three and a half miles to the finish for this checkpoint. But it's not just a straightforward three and a half miles, is it, John? Oh, no, man. <laughs> I'd forgotten about the climb. Jacob's Ladder is, if you're calling it that sort of step structure, that's a ladder. After that, man. I, well, see, we still had head torches on at that point. Um, it was daylight was was coming, but I remember looking up and I seen like some folk had the head torch with the red bit in the back as well. And I remember looking up and I seen this red flashing light like miles away and awfully high up my uh, then it all came flooding back. But what what rallied you though at the at the checkpoint? Oh, I needed to spew my ringer. And <laughs> so I went away into the the lake one blues. 
<laughs> which are the official race official eh? yeah and I thought I've been kind of coughing and kind of like dry broken <laughs> glamour at ultra running and um, for the last sort of couple of miles and I needed to get a good so get bash at it <laughs> so I went into the bog because I needed a pee anyway and then um, I and I did a, a, a decent enough heave and got some stuff up um, and then I went and got a wee sugary coffee and I thought, do you know what? I just need to, I'm three and a half miles to the finish line. My big goal is to get to the finish line. So let's just take a moment to get what you need in your system to make it to the finish line. And I'm so glad I did because I did. I had a sugary tea, I had a big fizzy Coke and a bit of lemon cake. And I was ready to go and tackle that last three and a half miles. No fast, but moving efficiently enough um to to and also concentrating on my footfall because i was thinking i remember john and john saying that there was a quarry on one side of the path here and if i right. fall into that quarry maybe they'll have a fun beat right <laughs> so i was conscious of that so i was almost leaning on my left foot at one point ken and because i could hear a big rush of water someplace <laughs> like from waterfall or something i was like it's just like the depths of hell there i don't know what is down there and then here at the top of Jacob's ladder, just after that bit that feels like you're going up rock climbing, I could I looked up and I went, Where's the path? I turned round and asked a boy behind me, Where's the path? And he's like, ah, it's up there, mate. And I'm like, Where do I get shite? I said to him, I was like, serious? He's like, I, I was like, Oh man, I says, Give us a shot of your sticks. <laughs> <laughs> tip tap sticks, tip, tip, tip. Tip, tip, fuck off your sticks. <laughs> right, anyway, right. So I squeaked up there, got up to the top of it, and then it still climbs a wee bit after that, but it starts to you can start to feel it level out. Um and here my bloody head torch went. And was what was it what was the state of the light then? Was it, it was pitch still dark? dark. Aye, I, pitch was, dark. I, I was pitch dark by then. It must have been oh no, maybe about I'm guessing about midnight. Aye. Yeah, yeah, so it was pitch dark. And um, yeah, so gladly I had a spare head torch in my bag, but it meant that hail cut off again, get my back because I had my spare head torch buried in the bottom of my my pack, right. thinking there's no way I'll need it. That's just a um, just in case emergency. Um, and I took a spare head torch instead of spare batteries for my rechargeable one, um, which isn't obviously recharging quite as efficiently as it was in the winter time. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I was covering the bases, so I, I changed my head torch and then kind of got on the move again. And then you hit the bloody descent. Mm. Oh, tell you what, right? Whoever ever taught these you know, Lake District folk how to build roads and paths and stuff, they must have, here's the project brief. Go and build the shittest path you possibly can because in 150 years' time, we're going to send this bunch of ultra runners down them and we want it to make it as near a purgatory as we can possibly feel for them that's your project brief and they have ticked every box seriously because <laughs> it's just murder i mean john you and i have ran a fair bit of trails in scotland over the years we've mm. done some of the bigger races we're no hardened mountain runners okay so we're not doing ring of steel and things like that but we like to follow you path that somehow is you can feel you can kind of run a wee bit on this is just murderous the terrain <laughs> some at some point no other way but there's points that you just go 
what the fuck were they thinking about you? <laughs> <laughs> there's and, a bit of mile there. There's a bit of mile that, but you said you're talking about the boy wee sticks and the rock climbing. There's ah. a bit of, by that point there, the next mile is just uh-huh. utterly brutal. Is that the downhill or is that the, the It's a bit the of the top? up. It's a bit ah. of the up, across the top, and then that next wee bit downhill as well. It's just crazy, man. Absolutely and, crazy. It's hard to describe because I've only ever seen it in the dark, so I couldn't describe it. So it's like an obstacle course. Um, I remember at one point going down it and trying to get some traction and really struggling. And, and um, there was things that you have to kind of clamber down rather than run down. Um, mm. And at one point when I was clambering down them, I was really, really feeling. Now, I'm just two miles to the end at this point. I was really, really feeling a potential blister in my left foot. Right? And it was because there was a, a sizable, what it felt like a, a sizable stone in there. Um, and I thought, Ken, what? I'm just going to take my shoe off and get it out and put it back on, my shoe back on, because it felt, mm-hmm. I just want to make this last couple of miles as comfortable as possible. Um, and I remember you saying, deal with shit as soon as you think about it. I was like, ah, well, there's only two miles to go, but I'm needing a rest. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat on one of the rocks, everybody saying, are you all right there? Are you all right there? Because it's brilliant at that, because everybody checks in on you if you're kind of mm. sitting and sometimes you say ah, he hot wrong with me just just chilling um but it's brilliant that everybody checks in on you but here if i when i try to go down and untie my waist one i didn't hear the dexterity in my hands to untie it and i double double knotted it right fucking stupidly um but i couldn't get my foot up towards my hands because if i did i was just feeling a cramp in my left hip and i was like oh, oh what am i going to do here and i was like Anyway, three or four boys came down, and one of them says, "You need a hand there, mate." And I said, "Eventually, I could untie my waist." And he come over and untied my waist, cursed me for having a double knot in it, but in a nice humoured way, called me high maintenance, got the stone out my shoe, put my shoe back on, and retied it for me. <laughs> Brilliant! In the last two miles of an ultramarathon, where you're racing against each other, really, you still are racing against Aye. each other. Nothing. Right. But but that was just like that way that that wee gesture for him, whoever it was, listen, they'll never listen to this. Just really it really lifted me for the last couple of miles. And then we got on a wee train down the rest of that technical descent. Um just everybody cursing about everything by this point. <laughs> um, and you're passing and every now and again you'd pass a hundred runner and then you'd have a wee moment to say, What the heck am I doing binding this? Base for when these guys have got a hundred there, so they had a hundred and three miles in their legs by then, or two miles to go. So, yeah. so one thank you to other people for assisting me. Hopefully, I also assisted some other people as well along the way, and it was like quid pro quo. Um, but yeah, that that was a little savior getting my shoe because otherwise, I was like, I'm kind of get my shoe back on that, I'll, I'll just hop in for here. <laughs> Did you catch the dude's name? I didn't, man. I didn't. I didn't catch his name. I caught so many people's names over the weekend and tried to remember their names in my head. And I do remember some names. But you know what? If he's, if he's listening in or if somebody's... If you, this message gets to him, it's a big thank you very much. Oh, I, it's I, such I, a genuine act of kindness. So well done. And then... Do, I don't... And I, I, I was thinking as well, this is so outside John's comfort zone, this type of... <laughs> terrain because 
to be honest, that terrain, especially in the dark and wet, and the wet was making it really, really slippy. Like, not just slippy as in muddy slippy, but the, the rocks were slippy, so you couldn't get good purchase. Mm. I was thinking... I've never, I've never really done this before, especially when you throw in the dark. Okay, so I've, thro- I've, you know, I've done Monroe's and up and down, and you hear a wee bit of fun on the scramble, and it's la 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 la. I think it was the dark that was maybe making it even more, and also not knowing how far it went on for for me. I didn't know what. Yeah. And oh, throw into this, done our factor into it. My watch had conked out just at the top of Jacob's ladder. <laughs> <laughs> right, and the last time I remember kind of looking at my watch, it was forty-six point something, and I was like, "Oh, my fucking watches!" <laughs> right, one I'm thinking I'm not going to hear the full activity on Strava, so that's going to look pish. And then two, I'm thinking I didn't care how long there is to go. Right, <laughs> so if I asked one person how long, it, I was looking for somebody to tell me the right answer, even if it was the wrong answer. So I was looking, <laughs> how long is it? How long is it to go, mate? As ah, three and a half miles. I'm like, no, it can't be. I'm no, I'm no arguing with them. Like, I'm no, I'm just in my head saying, no, because it was three and a half miles, like a mile ago when I was at the bottom of that hill. And then I asked the next person, he's like, oh, like, no, no, even two miles. And I'm like, that's fair, my type of answer. And I kept on asking folk, how long is it to go? Because you can't see lights or Coniston or civilization yeah. or anything because it's blocked out by the hill. And I, and boy, one point, one point, oh, just over a mile, mate, and I'm like, oh yes, that's that, that's getting my type of answer that I'm wanting to hear. You could have said anything, um, but yeah, you come off that descent, and I was thinking of you, going, God, how the fuck is John going to get down here? We need ropes and all. <laughs> Forgetting you done it last year, and I had to. <laughs> oh man, Sorry. I also, I no, I also tend to get there when it's kind of, you can see a wee bit, it's not pitch okay. black, you know, my pitch black stuff happens on the approach to Tipperthwaite, really, Right. When I, when I was getting there. One wee thing that come out of Tipperthwaite, now they were doing cheese toasties in Tipperthwaite, but I never had one of them, didn't they fancy it, but I picked up what I thought was a chocolate digestive, I actually had two of them, and there was a wee layer of caramel in it. Oh, it was like the, the, the posh chalky digestives, eh? It wasn't uh-huh. just the, like... The, the bog standard ones it was the then with the wee extra bit of caramel in between so, the chocolate and the biscuit so i was i had a cup of strong sugary tea two of the biscuits walking up jacob's ladder and i, I ate them and i thought i fucking wish i'd taken four of them <laughs> just for brilliant they gave me a wee lift but yeah as you've just described getting up and over that we'll call it the rocky patch yeah. was um was quite um the rocky patch would be a very, very fitting name for it. Not just in terms of terrain, but also... It should be on the map as that, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah this is where you will hit the rocky patch. <laughs> the rocky patch. And then and then you get that, it must be about a mile. You go on this sort of, fire, what do you call, fire road? Would you call yeah, that? Yeah, you go on land that? over track. Yep. Aye, and, and then I I got this, that draw that you speak about. Oh, I, the I said that to so many people. And they were like, that's great. I'm like, that's in my book, mate. The, the, the tractor beam. Imagine the finish line is the Starship Enterprise and Scotty's got you on the tractor beam and it's involuntary. You're just getting sucked in. I was trying to convince myself at the same time. Like. <laughs> but aye, you were getting the draw. 
Aye, definitely, and I felt really good. And even you felt when really you good. come when you come back into the tune, um, the, the the people are out, the the masters and volunteers are out, they uh-huh. can't make a noise because it's quiet please time, right? Yes. They yes. can't make a noise, but they're they're clapping their hands, but they're not actually bringing them together. They're making the gesture and the big yeah. smiles and their hands are up and they're pumping their fists. Brilliant. And then you come into the finish and you get met by I got met I got met by my greeter was a guy, John, who had shouted at me fucking like eighteen hours ago, I love your beard, mate. He had a beard as well. So we had a bit of beard love going on. And he was the guy that brought me in and you Did get you an angle beards like Velcro. No, 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 no. All right. And then a boy says to me, You're our first one he can finish that. I said, Well that'll do me, sonny boy Jim my lad. <laughs> And it was great, man. But I must admit, you get I get caught up in that. You're happy. You get your photo taken, your medal, your T-shirt. I'm happy. But my overarching feeling was, thank fuck, that's finished. And I've I've done it because I reflected on how shitty I'd felt a few hours before. And to get there, I was really happy. And then I went inside, sat down, had a chat with a few folk. But you just want something to hear about. 10 minutes to yourself mm-hmm. and the next thing I remember and I says, this is the moment that will stay with me I checked already that you'd finished so somebody had told me that you'd finished this is the moment that will stay with me the rest of my life I always remember this I was sitting with my head down and I just I felt somebody pulling my head into their tummy and it was you you'd be up going for a shower uh-huh. and you, you must have come in to the, the marquee and you just pulled my my head into your tummy and it was just a fucking brilliant moment because I know how much that meant to you to go back and sort some shit out in there, mm-hmm. you know? And that was just a... a bro- I'm fucking getting emotional. Oh, it's alright. You know what I mean? But See, put, it was, it was brilliant, a special man. moment for me too. It was, it was brilliant. I, I went up there with the intention that... Because I was watching you, obviously, on the checkpoint, on the live tracking and things like that, and it was like, had your ETAs and all like that, and I was like... I, I can I've missed them finished by now, <laughs> but I can be hanging about there. And I did. I was so glad when I walked in and seen you, and you couldn't have been long finished. And um, I was like, yes, there's my buddy. And and in and, and much the same way that that John Rob had been there for for me finishing, and I knew how how special that felt as well. Just to 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 get that weight lifted off your shoulders, and then be able to sigh and go, aye. <sighs> Fucking done. So no, no. You mentioned John Rob. I've got to give a shout out to him. He went and nailed his. He was twelve fourteen last year. He went and went sub twelve this year, didn't he? Yeah, I did. I think he was eleven forty six. In conditions which you could only describe in some parts as as hellish. Um, But to be honest, some people have mastered those conditions and, and absolutely strive in them. For them, they'll be like that. Boom! That is the day for me. I am going to get my best ever time. But we are no those people. I have never no. ever. We have. We never ever protest to be. And 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 John isn't either. He's no an experienced, you know, mountain runner, fell runner, or, or 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 anything. But he has worked hard. He's John. What four years ago started running, and he came to um, our club in Ochterada, and he's never looked back. He's just went. To strength to strength and that just shows you his development so i but 
as well as that, we we shared some um, bra times over the weekend. Oh, aye, most definitely. Most definitely. So, aye, big shout out. We have to give, or I would like to, I'm sure you'll join me, give a shout out to Jenny Reese Jenkins. Um, Saturday morning, we were just sort of waking up in the campsite and you, we hadn't even seen each other because you were in the Jekyll and I was mm-hmm. in the other tent. And you said to me, John, Jenny's done. She's, she's buttering her. So all over, I was like, ah, oh, gutted. Because we'd met Jenny on the Friday night and we had a wee chat with her and um, she was I confident. Aye, she's brilliant. She was confident and um, looking and feeling good. And then, but as the story emerged, Jenny and her pal Louise had stopped to help her run her in some difficulty and got him into a bivy bag, I think pretty much carried them back to the checkpoint. Um, and, and then she then had tried to get to the next checkpoint in time. And then and they missed it by 10 minutes, you know. And I yeah. think they were talking about giving them exceptional circumstances because of the kindness and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. But Jenny and Louise made the, the decision to, let's not put anything else in danger here. So, yeah. but a quite phenomenal, selfless attitude that just typifies what the ultra running community is all about so yep. big big kudos and love to jenny and to louise for Brilliant. what they did an example to everybody what, how, how you should be so thank you very much to them both um well put john yeah right hi john that finish where they bring you into the tent's quite good eh well, they call it. They call it. Let me. Let's make legends. You feel like a legend, yeah. don't you, when you go yeah, in there? Make legends, not war. Yeah, that was the theme in this year. Hence all the, the, the very apt um, and, and stuff. But do you know when you cross the finish line? I hadn't realised this as well. Outside the the big marquee, mm-hmm. um, I thought you'd cross the finish line when you ran into the marquee. I didn't realise there was a process outside it having no seen all that last year aye, aye. Um, but coming into that marquee you feel like amazing eh like you're a superstar man it's, okay. uh, it is brilliant you get your, somebody shouts your name out and they announce you into the it's almost like getting announced into a palace or something it's and everybody fantastic. just starts cheering man it's brilliant what an endorphin lift and, and, and boost that, that gave me. Um, and then you get your medal and then you get your wee photo. And then who who's standing there? Um, Neil McNichol, along with Johnny Kilpatrick. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they were right away realising, I think, how much that moment made, meant to me because they know what ha- happened last year and things like that. Um, and Neil, who, shout out for him, came second in the 100. Second, that is. Um, and a eternity racing for him that's just phenomenal um, massive well done Neil but also they spent some time just talking to me and it was just what I needed it was brilliant to, to mm. hear we chat with the, the pair of them but the whole buzz in that tent is just positive human feeling going on it's just hard to explain yeah I would urge anybody who's considering thinking about going to take part in Maitland 50, don't hesitate, get your name in the hat, go for it, go and volunteer or marshal to get a flavour for it if you've not done that, yeah. but um, I I am very happy that, well we've been doing there twice now, and you know what I mean, different results for you both times, do yeah. you feel 
Are we hating to go back? Or are we done? My work here is done. Um, I, I'll feel inclined to go back for the weekend, no the race. Aye, for the I would, yeah. I would buzzing for the weekend on the on the lead up to it. Absolutely buzzing. I wasn't buzzing for the race part of it. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm still no buzzing for the race part of it. Now, I'm just. It just feels like a weight's been lifted as far as the race part of this weekend was like this prospect of going for root canal treatment. To be honest, you um, did mention the dentist a few times when we uh-huh. were, we were yeah, talking yeah. about it, yeah. and it was almost like that whole sort of getting past Kentmere stage was almost like the, the height of that sort of feeling. And after that, I felt a wee bit of relief, and also you know thinking of what even Debbie had done in Badwater that week, saying I've got fucking twenty-three miles just persevere and stuff and it was never no finishing to be honest despite the conditions being pretty cack um, and whatnot so no I don't I don't feel at this stage inclined to go back to do the 50 nor the 100 um, to, to be honest I think the the reality is that that is a hard hard route okay and I mm. think that maybe you and I when we first thought oh, we'll go and do the lakes 50 i'm on about when we first signed up for it which was yep. before bloody pandemic wasn't it almost yep. like you know underestimated it, the challenge with that route um oh it's, it's in the lake district how hard can it be we have can run west island way races and mm-hmm. highland flings and fucking hell shooting match we have but compared to let's say comparable distance of race highland fling compared to lakes 50 what what would you say is the difference between them? Because that's a, I think that's quite a question that Scottish ultra runners especially all relate to, and maybe English or sorry British or other parts of the world ultra runners who have done lakes maybe want to say oh maybe going to the high on fling for instance. What's your perspective of how? I would say are? I would certainly say that, well in a word technical the lakes is more technical. I think yep. we'd, we'd describe it. The West Highland Way has changed a lot over the years. It's by no means manicured, no. not at all. Still a very difficult challenge, but I would say it's more runnable than the Lakeland 50. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah no, I'd agree. I think the um, the terrain, the start time of the race, 11.30 for the, the Lakeland 50. So unless you're you know, sub 10 hours or around about that, you're going to be running some of that route head torching in the dark. That, when early start at, say, the Highland Fling, that's no as much a likelihood. Um, mm. And it just, it's, it's the terrain. It's the terrain. It's so hard yeah. to get a rhythm up at the wakes and without then hitting a bit that feels either unrunnable because underfoot conditions or because it's either an ascent or a descent and you look at the elevation profile and think okay that's a tough climb there but you know i'll get i'll get a wee bit of time back coming down the other side but the trails that gnarly and you have to be dialed into it so much yep. more than the highland fling that it makes it a more um a challenging race but what happens at the end of a challenging race is you feel more fulfilled even more Aye. fulfilled having yep. done it um, and i was there john you know plan was to get a finish time and I was really trying to manage my race just to get a finish and I think I'd done that all right. Yeah on that your race management 
you happy yeah. with it? I'm happy with it because I succeeded. I got my 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 ego was to to, to finish. And one thing bizarrely, I barely looked at my watch all day. I'm like, I, I, I felt it beep for the minute, okay, whatever that last mile was. I didn't even look at it. I had it under a buff, and I never looked at it. And I was trying to manage my own more my own lack of expectations because I purposely went my time will be what it is and I'm no feeling like I'm racing I'm just getting my body down the trail to the finish line efficiently even even that though maybe as effectively as I could have done but I'm getting there even that there's a change of mindset Mm -hmm. being able not not to look at your watch and no Mm -hmm. worry about it you know that's a that's a big thing no I did get really good sage advice for some people beforehand just to remind me of that and you know, they, if they were, they were listening, they wouldn't know exactly who they are. Um, and it's just around about, you know, I started so much slower. I started almost what felt like a bit of a, a snail's pace compared to maybe last year. Um, but it was all lessons learned and just, yeah. And it was weird. I was looking back, John, over the segments of Strava that I had completed last year compared to how I completed them this year. And the start at the start of the race, everything was slower, like very much slower. Um, and my heart rate, interestingly, was just quite. My heart rate for last year was like 170 BPM. This year it's like 105 BPM, and I've maybe just ran the section, you know, a minute or so slower. So I was mm. trusted at that. Um, but then, as the race progressed, I started getting faster on the same segments with a lot less effort getting expended. So yeah. I'm chuffed at how I've managed the effort level. I'm not chuffed at how I felt in the last 10 miles. Um, and Debbie spoke last week about working on her weaknesses. And I know that, that there's a few things that I can work on there. But listen, man, it's, it's job done. Aye, yeah, yeah, definitely. We had a belter of a weekend, met some wonderful people. Oh. And I think that that's the biggie. The, it's all about the people isn't it you know and to every single person that um came up and said hello gave us a nudge and a wee or a wee smile or a shout out thank you so so very much um tom and dan in the tent next door to us who probably when they first realized they'd rocked up with folk who were playing nelly the elephant on their big speaker while (laughs) they were putting their tents up thought what the heck have we landed where next to our (laughs) tent here um but tom and dan who were um the Merseyside, um, we had a great crack with them, um, both before the race and on Sunday morning after we were all done and dusted. So uh, that's the type of type of human connections I'm on about. Just top, you know. top guys, top guys, man, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Paul Anderson and Jamie Pallister as well. I have have to give them a shout out because they passed me, ran a few miles with me. It was an absolute pleasure to spend some miles on the trail with them. They come up for Ellen, Newbury Way up in Aberdeen, that hotbed at ultra running um, and you know, Paul had kind of hot off the heels of doing the West Highland Way race and managed to get a superb finish at the lakes um, so yeah. big shout out There was whole, a whole host of um, records being set, personal records for people, I think we're, we're doing some great stuff down there but I think, what did this what did they call it, Make Legends Not War is that what they were is that what that the tagline was? That was the tagline, yeah. Make yeah. legends, not war. 
and that's we've seen a whole heap of legends at the weekend and let's say thank again thank you to every single person that was there i think that wraps up our latest review yeah yeah, i think you've your abiding memory that's that's pretty much it my abiding memory Mm -hmm. um that'll be that cuddle for you in the tent that sums up for me man what's yours probably that far that you dropped about 3 a.m (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh okay. man sorry okay last thing i want to say before we head off massive um good luck to everybody towing the line at the devil of the highlands this weekend um that'll be an absolute stonker yes go and have a ball on the west highland way take care